Hi everyone, you're listening to Like Her, the podcast that celebrates women doing fantastic things in the realms of beauty, fitness, wellness and everything else in between. Like Her is a space for women to share their ideas, have honest conversations and most importantly have a good laugh. I'm Rosanna and each episode I'll be speaking to an inspiring woman that will hopefully make you think I like her. So on that note, get yourself comfy, get yourself a nice drink and enjoy the episode. Hi everyone, welcome to Like Her. We are on episode 10 of the podcast and today I've got a very special guest, Dr Nikki Kay, who amongst being a doctor is a hormone specialist, you've been a ballet dancer, you're a Pilates teacher, researcher, and lots of other things. So multifaceted, I think, is the definition. So welcome to the podcast, and thank you for having me. Well, thank you very much for inviting me, and thanks for the kind introduction. That's right. <laughs> so I think the easiest way to do this is just do a little, just tell me a bit about your history, mm-hmm. introduce yourself, that kind of because yeah. you're a medical doctor, but yeah. I hear like Pilates teacher and ballet dancer, and I'm like, what came first? Yes. <laughs> well, if I'm absolutely honest, ballet has always been pretty high priority. Yeah. Uh, and I, at one point as a teenager, I was thinking that I wanted to be a professional dancer. Uh, but realistically, I probably wasn't that good. And also, uh, you know, that's a really, really tough career Mm. not that being a doctor is any easier but anyway (laughs) I felt I was more suited to the more uh, academic challenge if we can call it that so that's why I went on to study medicine but I always had in my mind that the you know one of the rationales for studying medicine was so that I could apply it to to dancers people interested in sports and exercise Um, and that led me down the path of wanting to specialize in hormones Mm. um not so much everyone thinks sports medicine all that's injuries and stuff but to me that was a little bit dull i liked the challenge of the hormones it's it's you know it's it's really detective work and work uh finding out what's what might be slightly off balance and also it's very very relevant to how your health and definitely your uh, sport or exercise performance so that's really what led me along that uh, path Cool. And was there any, was there like an injury or anything that happened to you personally to make that decision? Or was it just being in that environment, seeing other people get injured or what? Um, I suppose if I'm really, really honest, when I was very young, Mm. I personally, I mean, nowadays I would call myself someone that had reds relative energy efficiency in sport mm-hmm. um because i'm very old we didn't have that uh, that definition back then but uh, suffice to say i restricted what i was eating i was yeah. training really hard didn't have any periods that was uh, for gymnastics right? yes it yeah. was for gymnastics i was always doing ballet but it was specifically for for, for gymnastics and People who are as old as me will remember people like Olga Corbett and Nadia Comaneci. I wanted to look like that. Um, So I guess, to be honest, it was a kind of personal thing. But also then I looked around and I realized that, uh, you know, there were plenty of other Mm. uh, dancer friends and, uh, you know, friends doing sport where I saw that this was all still an issue. Um, and not just in the women, uh, uh, in the men, men as well. 
And also hormones are really, really important in sport as part of a research study trying to develop a dope test uh, yeah. to catch athletes cheating using growth hormone. Mm. So uh, you see it all sort of linked in. Yeah. The really important connection between hormones, your health, sport, exercise, dance. So it was is partly personally driven, but then actually realizing that this was a much bigger problem mm. uh, that we that I wanted to investigate and, and, and look at in more detail. I like that you call it detective work because whenever I've done my own, I'm guilty for a bit of a Google doctor kind of thing, but research into hormones. Mm-hmm. What I find really interesting is how you never know exactly which, well, you may, but like you never really know which hormone it is that is out because it has such an effect on and, the others. And exactly. They're all, it's an interactive network, as I like yeah. to say. So it's not one thing in isolation. And the other thing is that, um, you know, you can see uh, a patient, they're walking, and you can get some little clues from what, what they look like, how they're moving, and mm. all that sort of thing. Um, so you can sort of, and, and when you talk to them, you can make an assessment of what you think might be going on. But then you have to back that up with the blood tests. And as you say, looking yeah. at all the details, the fine details, uh, you know, what's interacting, why is this one low, that one's high, what's going on there mm. is a whole, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's detective work, um, you know, rather than, uh, you know, the kind of the more obvious thing. Orthopedic yeah. surgeons won't like me saying this, but, you know, <laughs> if you have a broken bone and the, the leg is at a funny angle, it's pretty obvious. obvious. What's going on, yeah. uh, you know, uh, although I don't want to be too rude to orthopedic surgeons, so I think I told you earlier that I've got a fantastic orthopedic surgeon that replaced both my hips, so, you know. <laughs> so, listen, they're brilliant at what they do and skilled, but I just want, I just wanted a different... I like approaching things in a different way. Yeah. I, I don't like the quite so obvious. I like the, the challenge. And also the challenge, it's a challenge for me, like a personal challenge, but also I'm doing this for the purpose of this of this person that's presenting, you know? Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, I'm not just a scientist sort of fiddling around with test tubes in the labs. It's actually for a person. It. It's for yeah. a person. And the extra psychological overlay and getting and talking to a person teasing out the important bits of their history what they're telling you yeah and trying to see what's important what's not uh and then also trying to and then trying to of course explain it to them you know what the overall conclusion is and what they need to do and trying to uh, support them to to make the necessary changes yeah. i mean it's it's easy in the sense that if it's a clear-cut medical thing right this is the medication you do this you know that's kind of straightforward but if actually it's more dependent on the person's behaviors yeah whether it's their nutrition uh, and how much exercise they're doing and how much recovery you know that's actually under the person's control is their behaviors so that actually is the most challenging the hardest the one. hardest because you have to you know uh negotiate or explain in a way that they number one obviously are going to understand and in a practical way that they are going to be able to achieve that there's no point saying right you have to do this and there's no way they can uh, go uh, do that yeah. so you've got to give it little steps or, or or ways that will fit in with their lifestyle or whatever so and then I even after that. that they still have to want to do it <laughs> of course it's still so giving hard. them the motivation because yeah. you know as i always say to patients uh you know i'm not a policeman yeah so you know i can't force them to take a tablet or to do whatever you know mm. to eat this particular thing 
um, it's, it's under their control. But also that, so number one, my job is to empower the person. So I explain it to them hopefully in a way that they understand what's going on and mm. the rationale for what I'm suggesting. It's like, okay, fine, I get that. But then in a way it's also therefore if you empower the person, it's also now giving them the responsibility. Yeah. So I'm not, I don't like paternalistic medicine where I'm giving people instructions or, you know, you have to do this mm. without explaining. You just have to do this because I say so. It's like that doesn't, yeah. that never works, you know? So if the person understands, they feel empowered and also they have to take take responsibility you know yeah. it's like i'm here to help advise and do everything i can but ultimately it's up to them yeah. to you know uh make the changes yeah, yeah yeah definitely so hormones like i was saying to you i just maybe it is because i'm a woman but immediately just think periods estrogen mm-hmm. progesterone probably don't know very many of them and there's it's so much wider than that just tell me a little bit about hormones I mean it's such a big topic but how hormones affect your day-to-day life and the different ones that there are because it's not just estrogen no well listen for sure uh I guess we talk a lot about uh women's uh you know menstrual cycles and estrogen progesterone because it you know uh, there's an obvious clinical sign in women. Yeah. You have, you know, menstrual bleeding that's been going on for centuries, you know, for, yeah. for ages. And, you know, it's so obviously, and that's quite rightly, yeah. <laughs> should be important to talk about that. But yeah. of course we have to consider the men, you yeah. know, their testosterone level. So it's sex steroids. It is a sort of one general group. Uh, but other, ho- other important hormones are the thyroid hormones. They mm. control your metabolic rate. Uh, and if you if your uh, thyroid uh, gland isn't working properly, you can get an overactive or underactive thyroid, yeah. which has serious consequences. I have a question about that in a second. Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's growth hormone, uh, not just for when you're growing when you're young, but actually even adults need a certain amount. Um, otherwise, you know, uh, your body composition isn't great. Mm. Uh, of course, glucose control, insulin, that's another hormone. So, I mean, any system you th- want to think of in the body, it's, it's to a certain, it's going to be driven or controlled, should I say, regulated mm. with the hormone levels. The other fascinating thing about hormones is that they're not just always at this same level all the time. I mean, yeah. we see this most obviously in the menstrual in cycle, women, yeah. whereas there's a lovely, I like to describe it as a beautifully choreographed yeah. variation of the estrogen progesterone, like yeah. you mentioned, but of course also cortisol, stress hormone. There's a diurnal variation, as we call it. So it tends to peak in the morning when you wake, and then it goes a little bit lower. And if that, if you haven't got that nice sort of fluctuation, wave-like form, mm. then again, that can cause problems. People can either feel really sort of tired all the time or have difficulty sleeping. So it's not just, oh, they've always got to be this set level. Yeah. They've also got to have this natural variation and also interact with each other. Yeah. Okay, so I think we were talking about that, that earlier as well. You can't look at any hormone in isolation. For example, your bone health in women, of course, is dependent on estrogen and men's mm. testosterone, uh, but it's also dependent on other hormones, the thyroid hormone as well and growth hormone as well. So uh, that's why it's fascinating because there are so many of them number one they're all interactive and they're not they're all changing all the time yeah. so you have to kind of be on your toes to know what's going on yeah uh, but you can appreciate if those are not doing their job they're out of sync or or they're the wrong level yeah you can see there's going to be a problem yeah. not only with your from the health point of view but actually from your exercise performance whatever that is yeah uh, you're not going to be 
the best that you can. Yeah. That always reminds me, and it was when I was much younger, well, not much younger, a few years ago, I used to do um, boxing a few oh, yeah. times a week, and I loved it, and I was progressing, and I used to do it one-on-one with a personal trainer, and mm-hmm. there was, this was when I obviously just wasn't very self-aware, yep. and there was one session where I couldn't make contact with the pad at all. Oh, right. It was, it was like I was drunk, I was just swiping, all right. what was going on. And then I got home and I'd come on my period. And now I'm so in tune with it. I can tell I'm feeling a bit clumsy or I just, to be honest, I don't exercise when that happens because energy levels are just so low. So should we talk, that was one thing that um, a few people asked was the different -hmm. different levels throughout the the month for women and how to remedy those different energy variations. No, that's a very good question. Well, first of all, you know, it's important for everyone, for women to realise, you know, not think that there's something wrong with them or weird, because if you look at the graph of the hormones, there is a big difference. So if we, just for argument's sake, if we talk about the sort of textbook 28-day cycle, right, just, you know, to make it easy. So the first five days of your menstrual cycle, that's the menstrual bleed, typically, okay? So when you're shedding the lining of your womb, your endometrium. And then up to the midpoint, about day 14, that's called the follicular phase. So it's when the egg in your ovary, uh, one of them is being selected to be ovulated. Yeah. So that's kind of like a build-up time, and that's when the estrogen is, is, is probably the predominant hormone. Okay? And would that be when we're generally feeling better? Yes, if generally. If, if, I mean, just to say, me personally, and you know, some women, they don't feel any different whatever i mean obviously they know that there's something going on if they got you know they need to buy some tampons they're having a period but yeah. otherwise some so so just some people don't notice much okay but if you were going to notice anything in general terms it said during that those first 14 days of the follicular phase mm. you're more on it uh you're you know that would be a good time to do if you are going to be doing some training some exercise you know if you were going to do your boxes and do yeah. it then right yeah, yeah, yeah. and then we have ovulation which happens around day 14 for argument's sake so the little egg is popped off uh, and sort of uh, wends its way down to the uterus Um, uh, and so from day 14 to uh, 28 that's called now the luteal phase the worst for me personally Um, generally yes (laughs) so what happens is that uh, the uh, the remnant of where the egg was ovulated from the ovary that turns into something called the corpus luteum mm-hmm. and that releases the hormone progesterone yeah so the first so just to recap the first 14 days that's the follicular phase when the egg's growing the estrogen's high and from 14 to 18 that's called the luteal phase when the corpus luteum in the ovary the remnant of the ovulated egg that's producing lots of progesterone and progesterone i don't want to label it uh a troublesome hormone no, that would be even but but that is said uh to be more likely to interfere with your blood glucose control and mm-hmm. uh, so you're sort of your metabolism if you will and also what you were describing yeah uh, you know in the worst case scenarios people describe pmt and all that sort of thing yeah. so, and make make you more clump so so you know if we're going to really be stereotypical yeah about a 28 day cycle we're going to say the first 14 days you're good to go more or less because yeah. of the estrogen's higher than the progesterone and if you're you know uh just be aware that you might not quite feel quite so on it during that luteal phase the progesterone mm. phase and also your body temperature increases during the progesterone yeah. phase because that's the old-fashioned way of telling if you've ovulated yeah your body temperature goes up yeah, just a little bit yeah so your metabolic rate uh increases 
And so, you know, you might feel more hungry. I was just going to say And want to eat more carbs. Yes, you might feel like that. But that's okay. I mean, that's normal in the sense that... And yes, you should. If you're feeling hungry and your temperature's going up, then it's because you do need a little bit more. A little bit more. A little. I'm not saying, you know, go out and... Yeah, exactly. But, you know, again, just to be aware, that's normal. So I think being aware... Uh, of your own cycle because that, that's what we've said is very very generalized yeah as i said some people don't even notice anything some people will notice quite badly mm. that they feel really you know bad in the luteal phase so it's a case of knowing your own body what works for you uh you know if you do have a choice of when you're going to do your exercise or what you're going to eat just have that in mind yeah if you think uh that you are noticing differences so I think this segues nicely into mm-hmm. contraception and the ability to be sort of monitor your body when if this was another question that came up yep. a lot was I think a lot of people just don't have much knowledge about contraception. I think a lot of women are just put on it when they're quite young yep. and it's just a kind of like Convenient you take thing. the pill. Um and then as you get a bit older, you, you sort of realise, oh my God, I've been on the pill for 10 years or whatever. what's this doing to my body or whatever. Um, how how much does a contraceptive, let's just say the pill, because that's what yep, I'm yep. guessing what most people are on. How much does that really mask what's going on? Or does it at all? Is that just a myth? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, the, I suppose the first thing to say is it's every woman's right, to, obviously, to choose yeah. contraception. So I've not got an argument against contraception. Mm. And if we want to be really old-fashioned about this and you don't fancy taking any hormones, of course, they're all the old-fashioned... Well, I call them old-fashioned, but, you know, barrier methods, condoms. I mean, listen, they've gone a bit out of fashion, but, yeah. you know, they're, they're always there. Yeah. Uh, if you're talking about hormonal contraception, uh, you're yeah. right. The, probably the most common is what's called the combined oral contraceptive. Yeah. So that will combine, as the name suggests, estrogen and progesterone, okay? Um, so they're external sources of estrogen progesterone okay synthetic ones and so basically they stop that lovely choreographed sequence i described yeah, of what you're what you do yeah yeah up, up and down. down that if you draw a graph they're all flat and really low because right. you're giving it this artificial stuff so it just switches off what you normally do now listen uh if you've had regular cycles uh you know that's not a problem as such to switch off your own ones mm. Okay, if you know that you are having regular cycles, but you're, but you're right, there are some pitfalls there because then what it probably isn't good medical practice. Well, when I say isn't, I mean it's definitely not good medical practice. I'll rephrase that. <laughs> is if a woman presents and says, Oh, I haven't got any periods, I'm not having menstrual cycles, and then uh, you're told, Oh, we'll take the oral contraceptive pill uh, and everything's fine. Yeah. Um, well, that's not really the case because because they're synthetic hormones. They're, you're, you haven't got your own internal hormones working because you're not having your own periods. But and but every psychologically, everyone fe- everyone feels better. The doctor, the you know the yeah. patient, because now you're having bleeds, but they're not your own menstrual yeah. cycles. They're what's called withdrawal bleeds. They're being induced by synthetic hormones. Mm. So you're quite right. It masks what's actually going on. And if your periods have stopped because of uh, red, relative energy deficiency in sport. Mm-hmm. Essentially, uh, the postural medical term for that is functional hypothalamic amenorrhea, which means functional. It means you haven't got a medical condition, yeah. disease, but you have got an issue where all your hormones are just switched off to save energy. Um, 
you know it's not of course it's not just the menstrual hormones that have switched off like yeah. we discussed it's, it's also your thyroid hormones that are down to down your growth hormone will be low so even if giving someone the oral contraceptive pill even if we say hey they've got some estrogen now but what about all the others it's not correcting all the other hormones so that's it's masking not only what your own reproductive hormones is masking we don't know you know all the others are probably still not quite right yeah. if you haven't addressed the underlying issue um, and actually there is evidence to say that it could potentially make things worse because if you're if it's a pill oral pill it goes through the liver and it induces liver enzymes and that's binding proteins and basically it sort of further disrupts your hormones yeah. so i don't want to be scare people off taking the oral contraceptive pill some people if you've got regular periods and you want a convenient way of taking yeah. uh contraception i mean go for it yeah no worries at all but if you're taking it because you haven't got your own periods and you think that this is now giving you in inverted commas periods yeah I'm sorry, please, it doesn't. Okay. okay, it's like you quite rightly say, it's masking what's going on and it's not helpful. Right. Uh, it's not going to help the underlying issues. So I think that's the kind of the, the warning tag that comes with yeah. the combined oral contraceptive pill. I mean, there are other types of hormonal contraception. There's also the progesterone-only pill. Yeah, I used to have to have that yeah. because of migraine. Right, so exactly, because for some people the, the combined oral is contraindicated, like say migraine yeah. or if there's a... Uh, thrombotic issue in the family and all these sorts of things so yeah. there will be sometimes it's contraindicated so the same rules apply in that sense that you know uh, if you're taking it because you want contraception you've got regular go for it no yeah. worries but if you're taking it because somehow you think that this is going to um, sort things out yeah. it's not because now you're even more in the dark because the progesterone only pill keeps the endometrium a certain thickness it, you don't get any bleed at all so you're even more in the dark yeah. as to what the heck's going on and the same it can be a pill it can also be an implant and there's the marina coil which has got progesterone yes. in it so those are all the ranges of the progesterone ones so i think the general thing to say is it's your choice if you've got regular periods and you're healthy you know fine yeah. you know uh, and that suits you oh fine go for it right and it's your choice out of those ones we described if you're taking it because you haven't got periods or or you know you think in some way that's gonna make up for not having periods i'm afraid don't be misinformed yeah. or deluded it's not <laughs> so what if you've had um regular periods yep. without any contraception yep. and then you're taking contraception yep. whether it's the pill or whatever, yeah, yeah. whatever hormone yeah, yeah. contraception yeah, you is choose, yeah. and then say after five years your periods become irregular or you're still not, you're, stop, you've, you've stopped you're still it. continuing the contraception well then that would definitely be some if, if it's one that's meant to you're meant to have a withdrawal bleed on is that yeah. what you mean so I mean the progesterone only one yeah, you won't be you expecting a bleed but if you don't have withdrawal bleed on the the combined oral that you have been, then yeah, something's Come not on. something's okay. going not, uh, you know. And you're meant to be. Then yeah. obviously you need to see what's going on. So would you say any changes that happen? Yeah, exactly. Precisely what's meant so, to be going on. Exactly, just... exactly. And also um, the other question I thought you might be alluding to is yeah. if people often say, "Oh well, I was on the pill. I had regular periods. I was on the pill, and I stopped taking the pill. My pill, my periods didn't come back." Yeah. And you often get fobbed off with oh well that's normal well i mean normal in the sense that maybe a couple of months while the yeah. system realizes it's got to wake up fair enough but if it progresses for any longer than just a couple of months you know again don't be fobbed off you definitely need that investigated because mm. 
you know, things might have changed whilst you were on the pill. And as we say, it was masking what's going on. Something might have happened, whatever that is, in, you know, you... I don't want to use too many medical terms, but, you know, there's lots of things that could have changed while you were on the pill, but you no one was aware of it because you were on the pill. Yeah, yeah, See, so the same principles apply. Um, That's never normal, and I have heard people being told, oh, that's normal, post-pill amenorrhea, but I'm afraid that there's no evidence. But within a, you know, within reason. Yeah. After a couple of months, if there's still nothing happening, it's like you have to insist on getting some basic bloods done to see what's changed why is that because yeah. you know every I, a period i was just going to say my little <laughs> quote that i like to give <laughs> all women of reproductive age should have regular periods regular in the sense that you know give or take i'm not i'm not talking about exactly spot on 28 days okay. but certainly more than nine per year because that's again that's more a med- than nine per and year. again that's a medical okay. definition Okay. Nine periods or less, that's called oligomenorrhea. I think it's Greek for few. I don't know. Right. right? Uh, <laughs> something like that. Anyway, so, you know, when I say regular periods, I'm not talking about if you've got 32 day, 35 day cycle, you know, or 26 day, that's fine. As long as you're having them. You're having them at your own regular frequency, whatever that is. Yeah. No worries. But if you're having less than nine per year, then that's a medical condition. Yeah. And obviously, if you have no periods for a consecutive run of six months. Yeah. That is amenorrhea. Yeah. And that is like, there's no... Scary. No, no, no. But I mean, the point is, you know, these are medical definitions by the Royal College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists. So don't, you can look these up online. Yeah. So don't be fobbed off yeah. by people saying, oh, that's all right. If you don't have any periods for a year, it's like, uh, no. Yeah. It's six months is the cutoff. And oh, that's all right. If you're just having a cup... If you're just having three periods a year, that's fine. It's like, no. I, I know this sounds, you know, so, you know, be be informed. Strong. Be yeah. informed. Be informed of the basic facts. I'm not trying to turn everyone into an endocrinologist, yeah. but I'm just saying, you know, it's your body. Be aware of the sort of really uh, important fundamental facts and then you'll feel you'll feel better. You'll feel yeah. in, in power and all that. Well, I think that's why I wanted to speak to you really is because I feel like we are just kind of, I mean, everyone does have a choice to take a tablet or not. Yeah, you have the pill. But I do feel like it's very, oh, everyone takes it. Yeah, it's normal. We all have like mad periods all over the place. And sometimes you don't get one and all this. And you are kind of just, you just accept that that's the norm. Mm. And maybe it's not. So what I want to ask is, what's the deal with like regular, irregular periods? This is another question somebody asked me. So they have... They're irregular, but they're regular in how they're... So every third one, they don't get one. Does that make sense? Yes. Well, I think then we what go would back... That be? Well, then we go back to that thing about what's the total in the year, you see? Right, okay. Probably. So, as I say, nine is a, a thing because um, irregular... How did you say it? Regular? regular irregular. 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 irregular yeah. Right. Um, it sounds like some sort of maths puzzle. Yeah. Anyway, so there is the there is so I would say two things. Number one is that nine cut off. Yeah. How many have you had in the year? Uh, but also that's sounding to me like the hormones are a little bit um, discoordinated. I can call it that. And you know, like I'm, I'm in my mind, I'm buzzing. Is it a hormonal thing? Is it PCOS? You know, yeah. polycystic ovary syndrome. That's sort of. Uh, that there is it's literally a dyssynchronicity of the progesterone and estrogen and mm. stuff that's that's what causes irregular periods or it could be 
depending if there's pain with the periods it could also be there's a thing called endometriosis yes, yeah I right that. my mum had a hysterectomy right right exactly <laughs> um so you know again i think just knowing you know knowing yourself yeah is this uh you know if if you if it's bothering you it's like actually this is really number one it's annoying it's painful or it's a change for you mm. um you know maybe your periods were regular regular and now they become regular irregular yeah <laughs> right and you maybe you've noticed some other things yeah maybe you've noticed some other things um it's worth checking in it's worth checking in because it's very easy just to do i mean the standard thing is we to do a blood test on uh day three of the menstrual bleed so everyone has it there are ranges for different times in the cycle but just to make it kind of easier that's the standard time and you can see the sort of like a standard level all the hormones are meant to be at that time point in time and then if you want to check if ovulations occurred then you do day 21 you do the day 21 progesterone remember we said that goes should go high yeah if you've ovulated if you haven't ovulated then it it won't have reached its peak you see yeah and sometimes that can be a cause if you haven't had ovulatory cycles okay yeah so if you haven't released if you haven't done that 28 textbook thing i described when you're ovulating at day 14 if you haven't done that you haven't ovulated. Is that called ano- anovulatory yeah, cycle? reading about that. So before. an anovulatory cycle. So you won't release the egg. Therefore, you won't form the corpus luteum. Therefore, you won't produce the progesterone. You might be thinking, "Oh, great, because that progesterone you told me was not a good thing." Yeah. Well, actually, it's the fluctuation of it. If yeah. you haven't got any, your very little progesterone in that bit, then actually you're more likely to bleed earlier, have a short cycle. So that could be this person you're describing yeah. that has a long and a short cycle. The short it could actually be the short cycle that there's one that where there's an issue. Wow. They have a it's an anovulatory one, you see. Yeah. Uh, and so that could be it could be an early sign of reds, the low energy availability. Mm-hmm. It could be to do with the it could be PCOS and they're not because it's not very coordinated. So you see what I mean? Yeah, I love Can it. it. Yeah, so I like you're getting, getting into it. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, could it be? Uh, I'm going to be honest. I'm talking Go about on. myself. Go now. on. So it's me. Like I've noticed that, like sometimes, every, almost like every three or four months, I just won't get a period. Right. But then I also try like trace it back to lifestyle, like where right. I'm at, and obviously stress and change oh, yeah. and sleeping at different times all of the the weather seasons all of these things yeah for sure well i mean have an effect even even if you've got you know a steady level of energy availability Mm. and you know you know stressful and also i think uh changing Mm. sleep patterns because i think that uh female air hostesses often their periods are irregular which is why they go on the pill because they want a fake regular one. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Because of the different time zones and, you know, yeah. if you've got your own internal clock set at this and now the external clock saying that and yeah. it's dark at a different time, it's like, what the heck's going on? Actually, a colleague, See? a couple of weeks ago, she went to uh, South America for, oh, yeah. six, for a month or six mm-hmm. weeks and she came back and she said, my period hasn't come and it took like two weeks yes exactly so definitely the flying because of the cycle because because your body has an internal biological clocks and they're all set at different times (laughs) i mean you know the the uh, menstrual cycle is the lunar month yeah right yeah yeah yeah. Uh, i talked about the diurnal variation the 24-hour variation um of cortisol this is the circadian the 24-hour time you know they've all got different clocks but they're all trying to work in synchrony so you can see 
a change in uh, what do you call it uh, time what do you call it um, sounds like uh, some quantum mechanics. Yeah. Uh, you know on the clock the external time is that yeah what I call it right um, you know because it's been artificially shifted because you've now we've got flight yeah. before we didn't have aeroplanes going across time zones and yeah, all that yeah, sort yeah. of thing uh, you know then obviously that's going to work you know it's going to put the hormones out for a bit but that would if it's if it's that it should be like you say relatively brief yeah. but definitely we shouldn't underestimate mm. uh, you know psychological external effects so stress for exams and stuff like that or wherever it might be or or flying Moving travel house, definitely like all that, those yeah. sorts of things they all feed into the brain the hypothalamus that's the boss of all the hormones yeah which in turn controls the pituitary gland so you know it takes into account all your internal feedback you know have you got enough energy on board what's mm. happening in in your body um but also it takes in the external stuff so it has to integrate internal and external stuff and if there's you know if they're out of sync the extreme being shift workers yeah, doctors doing on call. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's not good for your health. I can, I can, go, yeah. you can vouch for it. Yeah, I can definitely because you know, uh, it's we know that shift workers they're more likely to get metabolic disease and all this sort of yeah. stuff, and it is really horrible if you've ever done this. You know, working in hospital overnight because you you sort of get a cat nap literally. Yeah, you just put your head down two a.m. and then suddenly the cardiac arrest goes off uh, 30 minutes later and it's like oh my god yeah you know it disrupted sleep it's just like yeah it's not, I remember it's not doing great. Uh, for psychology a level actually oh, yeah. doing a study on I think it was minors or something mm-hmm. and the sleep cycle and how just messed up it was and their performance at work oh yeah well definitely I can again vouch for that yeah I mean sorry patients to let you know this but yeah. when you know if you're asked to make a critical decision at 4 a.m. and you just either being woken up yeah. by you know uh, your bleep or an alarm or whatever yeah. or you know if you're just, just dead tired on your feet yeah. it's, it's, it's really it, it's difficult do you feel because of that that when you do try and attempt sleep you're not really sleeping because you're almost scared to oh, definitely. relax well yeah. certainly I can say that that's how I experienced it but also it can be almost to a certain extent you know, not just shift work, but um, all night work, if I can put it yeah. that way. But also, you know, our tendency, and I know I'm guilty of this, using the computer too late. Yeah. You know, and all the blue light Scrolling. and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not good for, um, I think it's the UV. It's the particular, no, not the, it's the particular wavelength, isn't it? Yeah. That isn't great. And that's what they're saying with children, you know, playing their computer games hidden under yeah. their juvet cover. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not good. Um, and you you know sleep I like Macbeth's quote Shakespeare uh, sleep is the chief nourisher in life's great yeah. feast it like it really sorts out a whole lot of stuff number one your hormones depend on it because that's how they set their cycle yeah. the night day cycle um, but also just you know you if you know you, your brain just can descramble a little bit yeah because yeah, yeah. if it's in that like you say sort of twi- literally twilight zone of yeah. uh, it can you can never really fully especially for children it's so important yeah. neuroplasticity of the brain and all that sort of thing and sleep and sleep of course is when growth hormone spikes yeah for children obviously it's for growth but also for 
as I was saying, adults as well. It's really important in your body composition and your health. Uh, you're having those growth hormone spikes yeah. at night and for your sports performance. So, yeah, sleep's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I have a rule that no, none of the main lights on oh, yeah, from about 9 o'clock. Very good point. And yeah. I really have a good no, well, you know, when I said I, you know, I said I hate it, I don't yeah. like artificial light. I, I you know, if people put it on, especially if people put it in the day, it's like, no, I hate that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um... One thing I want to talk about, because somebody who's actually a nurse, a friend of mine who wanted to ask in mm-hmm. sports performance, obviously your area, is there's a lot of stuff at the moment about HIIT training mm-hmm. and how that affects hormones. And I feel like I know what you're going to answer with this one, because obviously HIIT training Cortisol. requires so much energy mm-hmm. that if you're not eating enough, if you're not fueling enough, yep. then obviously it's going to affect your hormones. Yeah, well, one of my... But also, yeah, the stress of it too. Yes. So, I mean, uh, HIIT in particular, but any sort of exercise, I suppose, you know, um, I'm very... uh, I'm a bit concerned if people say that they're going into it fasted, you know? Okay. So you should, number one, you should have some energy on board. I'm not talking a full meal, but if if it's you know uh, a long time since your last meal yeah even just a banana or a bar or something so you've got some fuel in the system because otherwise if you go in there and you haven't got any you know you're asking your body a lot to try and quickly make available your glycogen stores yeah if you've got enough Mm. yeah Uh, and also you know cortisol does a big spike and uh, you know cortisol is a sort of the fight or flight hormone yeah. stress well i mean listen you need some of that like i said to to be alert and whatever but you know if it's out of sync with what your normal pattern is uh and especially you'll be under stress if you haven't got enough fuel in the system already mm. so it'll be very very high right because of the nature of it and maybe you haven't fueled enough yeah um and then cortisol uh it will make you for sure it'll make you burn glucose and whatever uh, glycogen but not fat by the way yeah uh, uh, <laughs> uh, and but then if it's a really ad, you know a high spike like that cortisol guess what suppresses the other hormones yeah we know this because if someone comes into casualty and they've got a really overactive thyroid what we call a thyroid storm mm-hmm. we give them beta blockers to slow the heart rate down we also give them IV steroids because it prevents the conversion of the the T4 to the T3 in other words the activation of the thyroid hormone so it definitely interferes with your thyroid you know and we uh, so it's going to interfere with your metabolism potentially your reproductive axis yeah. I mean probably just doing one hit session that's not going to have all yeah. that, that effect I've but just said but if you exactly on it's, a always, diet, it's, it's always the time. cumulative effect of yeah. this if you get it keep doing it keep doing it like that hit 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 not enough fuel, cortisol up, 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 Yeah. other hormones down, 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 down. Yeah. You get the gist, right? So, you know, I'm not got a thing about, uh, I mean, for me personally, doing a hit session, I mean, for me personally, I wouldn't like to do it because yeah. I prefer to do my ballet class. But yeah. having said that, if it's someone's choice, I understand limited time, you feel good, all that thing, go for it. But just be aware that you've got some fuel on board. Be aware also that you refuel within 30 minutes of mm. stopping. You know, it's that glo- golden snacks. golden window of opportunity. 30 minutes after stopping to doing some decent training, you should get some carbon protein down your neck. What would be the best? Well, thing if to you're eat? going, if you're going straight to a meal, yeah. so you know, if you uh, finish and you are about and you can sit down to have your meal, then fine. Yeah. But if not, 
um, it's got to be something very convenient. We have here at home a Nutribullet, so you can yeah. pour in there some milk. I'm a big fan of milk. Cool. Milk, banana, some blueberries, maybe a sprinkle of drinking chalk. Whiz it yeah. up and drink it because that's easily digestible. Okay. Easily preparable, even in a household of men. Even, yeah. You know, they, 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 can, can they, they can do it really quickly, and it's done. And they I even save on the washing. We even save on the washing up because you can drink it out of the the, the, the plastic thing. thing. Yeah. You don't, you know, what I mean? It's like so straightforward, but it's got all the good stuff. Easily digestible. It's got your carb, got the protein, especially the casein protein in the milk is really, really good stuff yeah. to, uh, you know, support all those beneficial adaptations. So, you know, uh, just something. So be aware that you're prepared before. And you're prepared sort of afterwards in yeah. terms of nutrition and backing it up. And just be aware everyone needs at least one rest day a week. Yeah. You know, however hard you're training, uh, you know, even if you're, you know, really going for competitions and everything, you know, don't fool yourself that doing, that missing a rest day is going to help. It will be worse because the adaptations happen when you're rest, when your growth yeah. hormones are, when you're sleeping. So you definitely need that rest time to reset give your body a chance to because otherwise if you just keep pushing 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 you know yeah it's gonna go down <laughs> do you think we're in a bit of a culture where everyone wants to be super productive and they do push themselves yeah, yeah. all of the time yeah well I to the point that health is just this tiny little thing in the corner that people don't think about no well for sure i mean you know obviously being a doctor that's like you know running around doing on call um, yeah that's just an example of actually where you're not productive, yeah. but you don't have any choice. But anyway, yeah. um, but you know, uh, seriously, yes. Uh, and, and also I still tend towards that because I get told off by my family for, you know, after dinner, going and do some computer work, some lessons yeah. and stuff was the number one. As we said, that's not good for the light and sleep, yeah. but also, you know, I'm told uh, you're not going to be productive and it's true. Yeah. You know, actually, it's much better just to leave switch it, off. leave it, get some good sleep, have a total switch off, and then you actually you will be more productive. Get it done quickly without uh, mistakes, without so much you know uh, churning of the brain. Yeah. So I mean, listen. So it's easy for me to sit here and say that because I know I'm still slightly guilty of that myself. But you know, uh, it's it's one of those things. It's like fool's gold, isn't it? You yeah. Think, oh, well, I get that done, but it's actually you'd be much better just leaving it. Yeah. So I'm not advocating you know go the other way and be lazy, and you know it depends also on your character. Also, yeah. I'm t- talking to uh, you know young boys at school. They'll probably be listening. To, well, they probably won't be listening to this, but yeah. but you know what I'm saying. But you know, but you know what you see what I mean. Yeah. Uh, of course, you know there are times when you do have to push yourself, and, and also frankly, we've got no choice. You have to. Yeah. But you know. Uh, but bear in mind you're going to be more productive and as you say look after your health in the long term if actually you're just uh, yeah just be mindful that you have got the right balance of everything yeah interesting I find it so interesting um this is a bit of a sensitive question but the person that asked it really Mm -hmm. wanted to know the answer Mm -hmm. and I'm sure it would be a helpful Mm -hmm. thing for people to hear and that is what um What's like the best way of looking after hormone health after a miscarriage? Mm, that's a very... Uh, well, I think, first of all, it will depend what the cause of the miscarriage was. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think nowadays they'll check that there wasn't, you know, uh, 
something going on. Something going yeah. on. Uh, you know, is there? Yeah, some, I mean, listen. Unfortunately, in this case, I think are, it was a missed miscarriage. Okay, sure. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I'm, okay. So, well, I mean, don't listen. Have kids or anything, so I don't no, know sure. what any of it is. No, well, I mean, I think that um, you know, I'm first of all, I'm very sorry to hear that because mm. you know that's that's tough, isn't it? What can I say? Yeah. You know, really tough. But uh, I mean. Really just being, you know, the the sort of the medical team will want to do their various checks to see if there was some like a, a clotting issue, I don't know, whatever, yeah. you know, all this sort of thing. Was there a genetic issue? Was there whatever, right? There probably all was an infection, yeah. right? It's another thing. So they want to do their basic things um, like that. But, you know, often it's just, you know, it sounds a bit corny. It just wasn't meant to be, yeah. you know? So let the medics do their stuff, but then also you've got to not blame yourself. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily anything you did because it's just like, just literally bad luck. Yeah. Right? So first of all, be kind to yourself. Yeah. So f that's the first thing. Don't, it's more of a mental thing. Rather but don't beat yourself physical. up and just, you know, uh, just try and, uh, you know, continue doing all the things you're doing already and, you know, hope that... If there was a medical, if there was an issue, it would have, you know, you'll be alerted yeah. to it. Uh, you know, sometimes it's uh, Reese's factor, although they're normally that's later on. Anyway, so, you know, if you'll be informed if there was something specific that mm. you need to address, if it was an infection or I don't know, whatever. Uh, but otherwise, just be kind to yourself. Give yourself some time and, you know... Um, better luck next time yeah. sort of thing you know no I mean, yeah. don't want to be flippant about it but I, I think that's all I can really say I don't want yeah. to give anything more specific than that without knowing further details yeah. but I think that's really the main message that Being most I don't know the exact statistics but my understanding is that the majority of, of miscarriages we never do know exactly it was just yeah just you know um, something that we can't pin down on so I think the main thing is actually don't be don't beat yourself up don't of course you do of course you blame yourself and you wonder yeah. oh should i've done this or that well, uh, yeah. you know but um unfortunately that's the way it goes sometimes yeah. and um i want to rewind like right back to the beginning just talking about thyroid and you mm -hmm. mentioned um if somebody did have an issue or a symptom they would go to the doctor and yep. ask for a blood test is there any way that somebody could have a blood test at their normal sort of NHS yep. GP yep. and something be missed? And is there something that people should be asking for? Or is it better to go private? You see tests online now. What? Well, it depends. What I mean, because uh, so the thyroid, it can obviously be overall underactive. Yeah. Right? So that's the first thing to say. So typically, if, it, uh, if the thyroid gland isn't doing it, it's pulling its weight... Uh, then typically you hear people are feeling more cold, a bit sluggish, mm. um, you know, all that sort of thing. Uh, but the other way around is if the gland is overactive, then, you know, people have a tremor, they're feeling really hot and mm. the pulse rate is higher and all this sort of thing, okay? So there are two things there, but basically if you think of any of those things, then I think in the first instance, uh, you know, the GP just doing a basic thyroid function test um it does it is slightly variable in the nhs they will definitely do a tsh the controlling hormone thyroid uh, stimulating hormone um and mostly they will do a t4 it's unusual they do a t3 on the nhs but to be absolutely fair um you know that's probably sufficient really so, if it's a barn door thing i mean the only thing to say is that um 
like we said, all hormones are changing. So doing a, so could it be missed? I suppose your, I suppose really what I'm saying is it could be, uh, you know, sort of subtle, subclinical, yeah. going that way. So it might not be obvious barn door. Oh my goodness, that's definitely out the yeah. range. That's definitely a problem. It could be sort of hovering towards either the upper or lower border, depending yeah. on which condition we're talking about. So in that instance, most GPs hopefully, or you should ask, can we repeat this in four months or something yeah. like that? Because, you know, you can't make a... If it's barn door, it's barn door and it's obvious. But if it's like that, you need to see what the... Ch- it's more about the change. Yeah. Is this just a one-off reading? Yeah. Um, or is it a trend that it's going up or down or what's happening mm. to it, you see? And also, of course, correlating it with your clinical symptoms. So I think in the first... I think the fir- in the first instance, just that's what the GP's for, frankly. Yeah. Go to the GP, get the blood test. If it's equivocal or, or even if even if the, they say, oh, is it in the range? I think that would be my other tip. Again, I'm not trying to turn everyone into doctors. <laughs> but, you know, when you're told, oh, it's normal. I mean, there's normal and normal. Well, normal yeah. There's a normal range, okay, which in itself we could have discussed that. Also, is that, anyway, whatever. We'll take the normal range. If you're slap back in the middle of the normal range, I would say that, yeah, you can sort of, you know, chill. That's pretty like. But if it's a little bit lower or higher, but still in the normal range, uh, I would say that could be, especially if the person is presenting with the symptoms, is where you have to, you know, yeah. if you say, look, I'm feeling really not great and whatever, and it's either too, you know, towards the end of either end of the range, then I think that's definitely warranted that it should, you should ask for it to be repeated to see okay. what's happening. Because again, it could have just been it was a it was a bad day. Yeah, <laughs> you sometimes know, it's a one-off snapshot, and that's that's that. Or it could be an ind- it could be, uh, you know, a message, a precursor to something happening so i would say in the first instance just go about it the straightforward nhs way and if in doubt or if it's sort of and that's why again you know asking for a printout of your results so you because it's printed on there the range yeah what your number is so again you don't have to be like just read it highly trained you can see where is that in the range and if it looks really really close to the either end of the range then i think that would be We'll ask the doctor to explain it, and, yeah. and uh, I think that will be perfectly reasonable for a repeat test. So I think just keep it simple in the first instance. Yeah, perfect. And just to finish off, I just want to talk about yeah. what I quite like. Well, I really like how it seems to me like you treat in like a really holistic way. Yep. So obviously you're a medical doctor, but you're a Pilates teacher. You yep. do ballet as well. For example, say you had a patient come in. How how does it go? How do you treat them? Um, Obviously, depending on yeah. What well, it... the first, I mean, the first thing is you know just observing someone walk in the room. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell like straight? Well, away not not people? necessarily, but my point is, um, I mean, especially you know teaching, especially ballet. Yeah. I teach some ballet and I do ballet, and my family always say I'm quite good at you know I even though I'm not a runner, if I see someone running or something on the television, it's like, oh my goodness, look at that right foot turning in or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, so first of all, just, you know, I observe uh, to see, uh, and also how they're looking. Are they coming in looking really miserable? Are they smart? You know what I mean? Because yeah. uh, that sometimes happens in some of the athletes that have reds, relative energy deficiency yeah. in sport. There's a chap that was in the study, he came in, looked really miserable. And then the next time I saw him, I'd given him some advice. And I didn't know if, how it was going. Mm. And he came in and he was smiling. And I said, I don't even have to look at your results to know that, You're you bad. know, you, you are feeling better. Yeah. Right. So just simple things like that. 
And do you then, think, sorry to interrupt, yeah. do you think that comes from, is that a mixture of generally just being really interested in people and your experience, or is it something that you've picked up? Well, Over both probably, years, both yeah. probably, because I mean, you know, the reason, the reason I, the reason I wanted to be a doctor is because, and not a scientist, mm. is because I want to deal with people, not test tubes. So, okay. you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious. It's nice I like, to know. No, 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 <laughs> you know, you know, I like talking to people. So yeah, I'm kind of like that. That's fine. But also I think, uh, come do having done gymnastics and ballet, definitely it's a visual. Yeah. It's a visual thing, yeah. right? And I've always been a visual learner as well. I like my charts and that's yeah. why I like all the graphs going up and down and yeah. you know, so I, I so I do pride myself that that's what I, how I like it, but also of course it's with experience. Because it's not necessarily what the patient tells you, it's what the patient doesn't tell you mm. or what's they're looking like. The non verbal clues that's actually going to give the information. So yeah. so in the first instance I just have a look, see how they're just walking in and whatever. Um, and then, of course, you know, discussing with them what's going on before we start delving, because I think there is a tendency now in the younger doctors of today, yeah. I'm sounding really <laughs> old, that, you know, we have all this tech, we have all sorts of fancy blood tests and imaging and I don't know what. And it, but it's a big mistake to look straight at that when the patient's walking right in, in front of you. right? And yeah. don't look, don't be looking at that when they come in and don't be focusing on that. Look at them, hear their story. I mean, I might have looked at the results, it's true. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be that sort of mean on myself. Yeah. I would have, if there are some results, I would have looked at them before, obviously. But I try to focus on, you know, I ask them some questions and, and it's like a story. Yeah. It's like a story. It's like the start at the beginning, you know, blah, blah, what happened, blah, blah, and see what, and also ask them what's bothering them. Because what's bothering me might not be bothering them. Yeah. I might be bothered because I think their iron's low, very low. Yeah. They might be, they couldn't care less. They're actually bothered because their big toe's hurting. You see what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so yeah. actually asking what, what is bothering them yeah. and what, what, they, what they want to achieve is actually also pretty important to, yeah. to clarify the, you know, are we talking at cross purposes? Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we go through the results and see what's what and how that relates to their story. I mean, again don't rely too I mean of course the results the tests are there for a purpose but for example with my hip um, the surgeon couldn't believe he said looking at your x-ray he couldn't understand how I was walking let alone doing really? ballet class so you see what I mean but it's yeah. always the clinical how is the person expressing themselves what yeah. are they saying that's bothering them yeah. you know the figures are just figures they're just a guide you see that's uh, so that's that's how I approach it and then um, you know and then I try to explain as best I can in terms that they understand. I mean, some people want to know every single little detail. So I'll get out all my diagrams and I give them the that whole... Me if yeah, I, I get No, 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 I get that. I've got a folder with all the, the, the diagrams that I've made. Yeah. I'm a visual person. Yeah. So I've got a picture with all the diagrams of various things. So if they really want to know. If, frankly, they just want a general gist and want to know what to do. It's, so, again, I'll judge how, you know, whatever... I mean, if it's a if it's a definite medical thing, it's like okay, fine. You know, the only way of treating this is to take thyroxine or whatever it might be, or you know, that's that's it. Um, and can you prescribe that? I can. I mean, yeah, I yeah. can. Uh, you know, anything that needs to be done. I mean, well, the, well I have to be slightly careful here. If uh, if if it's in the NHS, of course, I I I can. But norm. But if they're coming to see. Uh, me and Rini then I would often write to the GP to ask that's normally the way yeah. it's done you see anyway but if it's a, like a, we've had a few where actually it has been when I say a barn door medical thing I mean uh, you know with the, the woman with no periods actually it was because she had too much high prolactin for example 
which is what I was seeing in my NHS clinic all the time. Mm. Well, not all the time, but, you know, it's like, okay, fine. So if it's a definite medical thing that needs definite medical treatment, right, yeah. easy, peasy, sort. Um, you know, well, when I say easy, I mean, that's straightforward. Um, but if it's the more the functional thing that we're describing, mm. like the REDS, relative energy deficiency in sport, or or some more sort of functional issues because they haven't got that balance right of the nutrition mm. the exercise level and the recovery then of course that doesn't that's not a pill that's going to sort it yeah it's not going to be and it's certainly not going to be the contraceptive pill. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's going to be a discussion a frank discussion yeah of look this is why this is happening because you know you're doing crazy training sessions or you're yeah. not you're cutting your carbs or whatever it is and you know, uh, and let's talk practically how you can address this. And this is where uh, Rena will come in with her. S- I mean, I can give some. I can give some general stuff like we described: the thirty-minute window and all this sort of yeah. thing, and avoid uh, energy deficits during the day. But you know, the more nitty-gritty of it, if people are really start struggling psychologically to change their behaviours mm. or sort of floundering in practical terms what's a portion size and all that sort of thing yeah. and that's by pastorini yeah um so is the nutritionist oh yeah sorry, I should have said, sure, that. sorry who Greg works again. with uh yeah we Nikki, do a joint clinic so tag team yeah exactly so you know that's i think that's really it and then of course after that i would always write the person uh, a letter to just summarize because sometimes it's difficult to take all that in yeah nice. um and then and inviting them to ask me any questions yeah um, and then we either we it depends on the person. Sometimes it's like that's all they needed, and yeah. they're good to go. And they go if it's a little bit more complex, then we might say, okay, fine. Do you want to come back and see one of us or both of us mm. in X number of months or whatever? Or some of them haven't had all the tests. I think we need some more information, and so I would refer. You need a DEXA scan. That's a scan to look at your bone health, for example. Yeah. So you know if there are some thing missing bits then I would say, Brian, we let's sort this out and we sort that out. And then we'd have another meetup to see what extra information those results gave and how that changes our approach, our yeah. advice. So thorough. I love it. Um, I ask every guest what health means to them, personally. Oh, you don't warn me about this. <laughs> <laughs> and when do you feel most healthy? And it's so interesting because... Obviously, everybody has totally different mm. answers. Well, actually, it was my husband that pointed out the other day that the most important thing in life to make you feel happy is your family and your friendships and all that yeah. sort of thing. So I'm feeling healthiest when, uh, you know, I'm with my family. So mm. my husband, I'm mean, my boys, they're grown up. But obviously, you know, if if when we go... Around. Oh, yeah. Or if we go on, all go on holiday together. Yeah. And, you know, we like our sport and we're all able to do a cycle ride together or windsurfing together or something. I mean, I won't impose ballet on them. <laughs> but so in the ideal world, it's being with my family, yeah. who are my best friends. Yeah, Aww. that's lovely to hear. Uh, but also, I guess I also feel healthy. So, but also continue on that theme of friendship. I feel healthiest and happiest when I'm in my ballet class. Because I think I said to yeah. you, I mean, that's something that's been a constant throughout my life. And I've been going to this ballet class I mentioned to you earlier. Yeah. Uh, I know, scary now, because people remember when, when I was pregnant and my eldest is 24, so, <laughs> so that's a long time ago. been going to this ballet class, so we have a, I have a good, really good supportive group of friends and we're all there to enjoy. Number one, to enjoy the ballet class together, four yeah. times a week, but also 
we're all there because we're friends and you know we got to know each other over the years and and you know we can have a there's a little time for a chat and whatever so um i think that that's probably uh yeah having support friendships and all that and it and i think you know some of the we discussed that earlier are that you know people who cut themselves off from that whether that's intentional or unintentional you know whether they're the quote workaholic or yeah. whether it's because they've got issues with their nutrition or whatever and they want to, and they want to cut themselves off which makes them you know reclusive yeah then i think actually that's part of the thing part of the reason why they become unhealthy yeah because we're social people yeah we need to be together don't we interesting well thank you so much My i pleasure. feel like i could talk about hormones for weeks so, well you know so, i can you know i can yeah, for the whole circadian <laughs> cycle yeah um thank you so much for giving me your time and i really hope that this has made some things clear mm-hmm. for probably the majority of people listening who are women um so yeah thanks My very pleasure. much and just quickly where yep. can we find you so uh i've got my own personal website is uh nikki k k e a y fitness mm-hmm. um dot com and also Reenie and i we mentioned the joint clinic we do inspire yep. so if you google uh Rini mcgregor and inspire clinic if you want to see us together mm-hmm. we do that in bath and london um and the only other thing to flag up which might be of use is i wrote an educational website about yes. reds relative energy deficiency in sport for BASEM, which stands for the British Association of Sport and Exercise Medicine. Mm-hmm. So you, and that's uh, www.health4performance.co.uk. So on there, you'll see um, some more detailed information about REDS written for the resections for athletes, for parents, for coaches, for I the healthcare really professionals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that would be another way to look at the sort of stuff that. Um, uh, that, you know i'm interested in do. Uh, that i do exactly uh, and i think it's also got me there as well and i think that's also mentions my website there so yeah. you know there are various ways of uh, looking and seeing what i'm up to and you know of course if anyone wants to see either me individually or Rini the combined thing there's of course you know uh, yeah. it's, it's self-referral so yeah. you don't have to have a gp referral you know yeah yeah perfect cool lovely thank okay. you so much and thanks cool. for listening